All right, beautiful people, welcome to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life, using music to plot a course from their early years to where they are now. So, yeah, so that's what it is. All right, episode 31, um, Ephraim Schultz, better known as F by Stereo, uh, singer of Death by Stereo, um, new singer of Voodoo Glow Skulls, pr- uh, part owner, I guess, of uh, Program Skate and Sound, which is really cool skate shop in uh orange county somewhere i think it's fullerton or anaheim one of the two um that also ha- is now what seems to be a, a regular tour stop for bands kind of traveling through the su- uh, southern california area so they put on live shows and they're all they, you know the youtube the uh, instagram footage i've seen have always seem to be fantastic and get a really good response um yeah he's a guest on the show again apologies for it being a bit late um, we, were, we were actually, you know, I wanted to do it face-to-face, so we didn't actually record it uh, till right at the end of this month, uh, which is, yeah, why it's a bit late, because I just had to edit it and do a few things, but um, it is what it is, and here it is. Uh, yeah, look, thanks for listening. Uh, if, if it's your first time, welcome welcome to the My Age Podcast. If it's your 31st time, thanks for coming back. I really appreciate it. Um if you think this episode's worth a dollar, you know what to do. Shout out to everybody who did it last month. It was, it's again, it's always really appreciated. It's not a lot of money, but um, it just goes towards kind of keeping this thing afloat. Uh, if you want to donate, if you think this episode is worth a dollar, or even more, maybe two, maybe five, maybe ten, what's up? Um, just go to paypal.me, M-E, slash myagepodcast, or one word, M-Y-A-G-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Uh, and you can donate. I don't really have a Patreon thing or whatever because, you know, there's too much fucking around. And, uh, yeah, so <clears throat> if you dig it, send a dollar. It's always appreciated, but never expected. Uh, I guess that's about it. With the, oh, actually, no. If you um, if you catch this the day it's out and you're in Melbourne or Adelaide, I highly recommend you go and check out Death by Stereo because they're on tour at the moment with uh, Zebrahead. Um, shows, but look, the show I saw on Friday night was fucking fantastic, um, and I'm sure they've delivered every, every other show on this tour. Um, this episode is actually it got cut short because we did it before before they played, and um, Death by Stereo, Death by Stereo had to take the stage seconds after we kind of hit pause, let's say, on the podcast. So this is part one of a two-part episode. Um, part one's obviously now. And part two, uh, I was speaking to F before we hit record, and he's going to be at Punk Rock Bowling, and I'm going to be at Punk Rock Bowling, so we're going to catch up and do the second half uh, at Punk Rock Bowling, so that'll be, that one will also be a little bit late, because I don't get back from Punk Rock Bowling until Thursday the 30th of May, or thereabouts, um, and I probably won't have, have enough time to edit it and then turn it back around the next day, so... You know, keep an eye out for it. And with a bit of luck, I've kind of sent some requests out there uh, to get some more bands whilst I'm there to see if anyone's interested in chucking a little potty. Um, meeting up with, you know, what the, the taller half, let's call it the taller half of the uh, High Files podcast from Canada, Nate, who, of, who's been previous guest of the pod. Um, can't remember what episode it is, but it's always, yeah, it's a, a, definitely an earlier one um, within the first six or so um haven't seen him in about 18 years i'd say probably since 2000 2001 um so that's gonna be fantastic to catch up with him uh whilst i'm over in punk rock bowling 
and there's a plan to do something a little bit special over there so between the two of us um so yeah keep an eye out for that i guess as well um again if you dig it my uh paypal.me slash my podcast um check us out on whatever socials you use my podcast just google it or facebook it or instagram it or whatever chuck a like chuck a follow um it means a lot and i guess tell someone about it if you dig what you hear and you aren't financial to send me a buck or two you know to just tell someone grab someone's phone uh subscribe on their podcast app of choice whatever it may be uh and just you know spread the good word i guess it's really appreciated anyhow with that f by stereo cool What's up, everybody? My Edge Podcast, at My Edge Podcast. We're doing it now, and I will share it when it's ready to go. Best believe. Cool. Episode 32 of the My Edge Podcast. No, 31, My Edge Podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, yeah, right on. F by Stereo, F from Schultz. Um, look, Death by Stereo, Ma- uh, Manic Hispanic. Yes. Voodoo Glow Skull. Yes, sir. The Misfits Tribute Band. Yeah, Dirty, name I can't Dirty Black Summer. Thank you very much. Danzig Misfits Tribute. Yeah, yeah. And program, Skate and Sound. Yes, sir. Which is amazing. And I have a few other projects in the works, but yeah. we'll get into that. We'll get into know. that. Sick, okay. sick. Um, welcome to my podcast. Thanks for doing Thanks doing for it. having me, man. We're yeah. actually doing it. We're fucking doing it. It's uh, so cool. It's, it's been a, yeah, it's been a long time in the making. But I'm long about, time about. coming, dude. Um, so let's you know, let's just go straight into it. Okie dokie. Um, tell us about you tell us about your parents, tell us about the early years that I guess the stuff that no one really, you know, the fans don't know How about. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents are from Mexico. Okay. On my father's side, my family's from Berlin. And, uh, well, my grandmother's from Berlin. My grandfather is kind of from all over Europe. He's yeah. kind of a rambling man. We don't totally know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as we know, he was Prussian. Okay. And uh, he met my grandmother in Germany. He hopped from country to country to country. And then eventually ended up in Germany, met my grandmother. They immigrated to Mexico. Yep. That's where my father was born and raised. Okay. So he's a Mexican, but he had German blonde hair, green eyes. Yeah, yeah. Comes to the States, no English. You know, like it's a Mexican. Yeah. You know, he met my mom in Mexico. They eventually immigrated. She was Mexican? Yeah. Yep, yep. Full blooded. Yep, yep. Mexican, Mexican Indian, like yeah. crazy, like the real deal. Yeah. And, uh, Event, long story short, eventually they immigrated to the States. Okay. Illegally, to much people, many yeah. people's chagrin. But, uh, uh, which that's is. Another, that's it, a point of I know, well, you know. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. But, uh, 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 we think it's funny. People criticize and this and that. Yeah. We just think it's funny. My mom's a citizen now, but. Good. Uh, Good. Yeah. Go. But, uh. Was it, sorry, before you go, so was that, is that a hard. Was that a hard process for her? Oh, yeah. And I guess My father never became a citizen. Okay. He passed away when I was much younger, but he okay. uh, never became a citizen. Part of me thinks he just didn't really care to become one. Yeah. And uh, my, my father was an uh, amazing man. Best father ever. But uh, he was deported several times. Okay. He made, made his way back. Awesome. And, and, and we were there to stay. Where were they situated when they came across? When they first came across, they lived in a city called San Pedro. Okay. And uh, it's kind of, it's near Long Beach. Yep. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, yep. with Long I'm Beach. The, the LBC. Yep. And, <laughs> and uh, they lived there and they jumped around many different places. I, uh, from one, you know, my dad kind of went where the work was, yep. you know. 
and like anybody. Yeah. And uh, then they might ended up moving to an area called the South Bay, where the yep. Circle Jerks, Pennywise, uh, Black Flag, Hermosa. Hermosa yeah. yeah, that whole area where all they're from, where they are from. Uh, my family moved there. I have a f- brother that's four years older than me. Yep. And so he was around for all that. <laughs> then I was born uh, in the South Bay in a city called Torrance. Uh, Torrance, California, at the little company of Mary Hospital. And uh, <laughs> what kind of town was it? Was it like very working class or was it like yeah, both ends of the spectrum? Half and half, okay. kind of. Yeah. Very working class, but touching on an area that is very nice. Okay, right. You know, so uh, uh, if my parents could afford to live there, it was definitely working class. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, uh, we moved to another area in the South Bay called Redondo Beach. Yep. And that's where I was at. My early, earliest memories of childhood. Yeah. And then uh, we ended up moving towards Orange County because there was better opportunities for my parents. Yep. But more, more work. affordable? Yeah. Yeah. And more work. And uh, my mom was able to get a job at a school as a translator. Okay. Because she spoke yep. Spanish and wrote in Spanish, whatever, you know. Yep. She could translate. So it was a little Catholic school. And so me and my brother just went there because my mom worked there and yeah. it was walking distance from her house. Made sense. Right. And yeah. so through kindergarten and first grade, I don't know if they have kindergarten yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Kindergarten, first grade. Uh, I, was, I was in a Catholic school, but my brother got in a bunch of fights and we got kicked out. Wait, was, did your mom just happen to get a job there or was she religious? That No, she just happened to get a job okay. there. What's interesting is my family's not religious at all. Okay, which and is very uncommon. Very uncommon, especially for Mexicans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my mom was born into Catholicism and all that, but my mom is very unusual for the generation she's from and where she's from in Mexico because uh, she was a very liberated woman. Yep. And I don't, I don't even know if my mom realized how liberated she was. Yeah. She was just being herself. Yeah. And yeah. living how she wanted to live and just kind of saw things differently and with the church and all that. And my mom's actually told me this because my parents never made me go to a church a day in my life. Yeah. Pretty lucky. Yeah. And, and uh, not that everybody yeah. does yeah. a thing, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't have to be the kid that was like, oh, I got to yeah. get up on Sunday. You know, That was eventually me. I did that. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't have to. I only had to do it while we were going to that school because it was required. Part of the court. Yeah. Right. And... um. Now, not that my, my father believed in God and all that stuff, yep. you know, and, and, and but just didn't, they just didn't subscribe to organized religion, yeah. which is very unusual. Yeah. But my mom told me, she said, growing up in the Catholic church, being a little girl, being in Mexico, she says, we were very, cause my parents were very, very poor. Yeah. So we're very poor. She said the first house my mom remembers living in had a dirt floor. Wow. Very poor, right? Yeah. And uh, she told me, well, then on Sunday... My parents would take me to church, and they put all this money in the basket, and there's gold everywhere, yeah. and all these riches and all stuff. And she would think in her head, "But why?" This doesn't add up. Exactly. Yeah. So, my mom was pretty forward-thinking for Good. her generation, yeah, which is incredible right. and lucky for me. Yeah. So uh, we went to Catholic school. My brother had gotten in a few fights, yep. and he got kicked out. And uh, my mom was like, "All right, we're taking you out of the school." Yeah. Like, and. Uh, my mom was able to get a job at a different school that was a public school, not yep. private or Catholic. And so we were able to just go to normal schools and not yeah. have to wear a uniform and yep. blah, 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 you know. But uh, we lived in Orange County in a city called Buena Park. Okay. And I, back then it was like a broken down tourist town. It used to be like, there's an amusement park there called Knott's Berry Farm. Oh, is that what that is? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, now yeah. it's nice. Yeah, yeah. But it was just like 
it was kind of burned out and all like mostly there was a street with all these like like the wax museum with yeah. wax figures of movie stars and yep. the alligator farm and you know like the you can watch dancing horses at this place and yeah. you, you know uh what's that movie with Jim Carrey where they're eating with their hands and the knights are fighting cable guy oh no they're it's oh, called Medieval Times. Medieval Times, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, I, that, I can't think of the movie, but I know exactly what that, you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on that street, Medieval Times. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. Yeah, and so um, at the time, it was like a broken-down tourist town, and that street, all the motels were, had gone old and decrepit, and you'd yeah. see, like, hookers walking up and down the street. It was crazy back then. Yeah. And it's, it's quite nice now. Okay. And uh, we lived there for a while, and... Uh, we went belly up, so we had to move. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then we moved to uh, a couple different places in that town. And my parents just worked super hard and got us into a way better place. Oh, cool. And then we moved to the neighboring city, which is Fullerton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Fullerton, I like to call Punk Rock City because that's where adolescents are from. Yeah. DI. Uh, I'm not sh- no, I don't know if you're familiar with a band called The Middle Class. They, no. They, it's to, people debate it. Yeah. But if you're from my town, yeah. we say that they recorded the first hardcore punk seven inch in the United States ever. Wow, that's that's a I'm sure that's a point of contention a, that oh, huge. a few East Coasters might disagree. Oh yeah, with. yeah. people <laughs> disagree all the time. But I'm going with it because yep. that's where I'm from. Yep. Social distortions from our town. Yep. See, I think this is this is I think Fullerton. Yep. And I just think I think Leo, Fen- Leo Fender. Oh, absolutely. So that, the home of the electric guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, absolutely. That's, that's where I come from. I mean, like, uh, There's murals in Fullerton with Leo Fender, yeah. and uh, there's a small museum in Fullerton where every year they do a Fender exhibit, Okay. and they bring out the relics. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. It's like the, the rarest of guitars. Yeah. It's incredible. I can imagine. And the Fender legacy, ah, yeah. beautiful. Can't hide it. And, yeah. you know, after Fender, the uh, the city of Fullerton, it's, it's a family, the Fullerton family. Okay, So right. Leo... Fender partnered up with George Fullerton yes. and created GNL guitars. Yep, yep, yep. George and Leo. Yep. Those guitars are amazing. Yeah, they Another just they Fullerton just company. They just don't have Fender on it. They say they got his first name and his last yeah. name. Yeah. So, but uh, I, I've worked in the guitar stores for on and off for twenty, you know, eighteen years. So you're familiar with very GNL. and like great GNL guitars. Those basses. Oh, dude, forget about it. Right. But they're they're such a hard sell because. People just want that. They fender. want the Fender name. They just want the Fender. Like it's. Like, yeah. Hey, here's a superior bass. Way, way superior. Right? Yeah. Because as you know, the Fender changed or whatever. Yeah. Not, not if anyone from Fender's listening. Yeah. I if love we, these oh, yeah, guys. P bass. Like that's all I've ever played. Oh no P-bass. no. Yeah. yeah fender, yeah. don't get this twisted. Yeah yeah. At because all. our whole band is Fender freaks. Yeah. And uh, Dan only plays EVH, which is yeah, through Fender. Fender out. Yeah, yeah. Those EVH guitars are incredible. I do not doubt that. And they all. were designed to go with that 5150 yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah, put those together, it's that's, like... That's peanut butter and jelly. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And so, okay. Tangent. Yeah, very... It's all good. That's what I we want. I love Fender, yeah. dude. <laughs> oh, it's so much history there. <laughs> yeah. But, um... So we moved to Fullerton, and Fullerton is where I discovered punk rock. Awesome. Were your parents musical? Uh, my father would write poems when he was young okay. and dreamed about being a singer but never sang. It was weird. Like He would sing in the house just along to songs but just never really sang and he had a guitar that sat there. Yeah. And just like a nylon? Yeah, an old yeah. nylon Spanish style guitar. Yeah. 
And he had it for years, and then uh, I got old enough, and one day he just gave it to me. Yep, yeah, yeah. And that's where my journey began, trying to figure out what is this thing. Put it all together. Yeah, yeah what is this thing that I'm never going to be good at? Yeah. Ah, give it up. I'm going to try sing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'm a, a a very limited guitarist, yeah. but I love the guitar. Yeah. But uh, my mom was a dancer when she was young. Did okay. traditional Mexican dances right. and wore the traditional dresses. So they were... Artistic and creative in their own way, but didn't pursue it as trying to be that. They just work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Work, raise work their kids, yeah. live a good life, you know? And uh, uh, great. I'm very fortunate because I know not a lot of people in our generation got to have both their parents. Mm. You know what I mean? And my yeah. parents, if my father didn't pass, they'd be together today. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is highly unusual i am aware yeah, very much so <laughs> and i'm yeah. very lucky to, i was raised by great parents very open-minded really cool yeah cool. very supportive yeah and uh uh i got lost sorry yeah no dude but, by me let's pick a song oh yeah that kind of sums up that like them like what so you hear a song and you think that's you know my parents that's them yeah wow um That I, I, I'm, you know, actually, I will tell you a song uh, that sums them both up. My parents' song was a Rod Stewart song. You are my heart. You are uh, my yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, da, na, na, na. yeah. That's my. That was just my parents' song. So every time I hear that, that that's what. It's my parents. My yeah. It sums up my parents' love. Yeah, cool. I've never seen two people more in love in my life. I've never been in love with someone the way I saw my parents in love, love yeah. and the way I still see my mother in love yeah. to this day. It's so cool. Did she, did she remarry or she's never? Yep. Okay. Never saw another man. Yeah. It, I, and I, I mean, I, I, me and my brother were open-minded about it too. Yeah. After a certain point, like, hey, it's okay. Yeah. And she's no, I'm good. She's had it. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I love your dad. Beautiful man. Beautiful, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's really beautiful, and uh, so uh, 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 the song would be uh, Rod Stewart. And yeah. I recently took my mom to go see Rod Stewart did for the really? first time. Wow. She had, with Cindy Lauper. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. and then they did yeah. some duets together. Yeah, yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. And my mom was on cloud nine. Can imagine. Oh God, it was so cool. Jackson, who tried to change my point of 
I guess that would sum up my parents. Cool. Okay. Love. Yeah. Beautiful love. Yeah. You know, heart and soul. Like the the tech the textbook definition of it. Oh. Like just the. Yeah. I mean, so in love, like yeah. incredible. You know, and uh, my father was like a really gentle, kind man, but yeah, strong. Yeah. And really just protective. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, he got in a couple dust ups here and there with a couple people. You know. It happens. But uh, oh yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. And uh, but actually defending my mom's honor before, so yeah, I mean, cool. it, they were that in love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, eh, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. So I heard recently that one of your first purchases, one of your first two purchases, was Beach a live Beach Boys. Beach album. Boys live, 1969, London. D- is is that just what you do when you're a young kid in California? Like, is that just what's ingrained into you? Like oh, the, the Beach, Beach Boys? Boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of is, but yeah. uh, it was more so my, my, my dad for uh, a period of time, 
my dad made lamps and lighting fixtures okay. to make them and cool glass work and it's really cool he just learned how to do it and yeah. did it and then he would make lamps and he started selling them at flea markets okay and so every weekend we drive all up and down the coast to different flea markets and we just sell his lamps everywhere yeah and I, we were at a flea market or a swap meet yep and uh, I don't know what the preferred word is here fuck on it I don't I can't think of what the word but, is. But, but you know what I'm talking about. Exactly Same what you mean. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, I remember, yeah, we just call it a market. Yeah, right. Yeah. And my, my my dad would be selling his wares all day, and my mom had some things she would make and sell or whatever. Yep. And I would wander around with my brother, and, you yep. know, I have a pocket full of change, a little kid, quarters, and go play some. a whole bunch of hours to kill. Exactly. Yeah. There was a little arcade. You can hear some quarters, go play some video games. Yep. I took those quarters and started thumbing through LPs. Wow. What are these? What is this? Yeah. Oh, my parents have some of these. Yeah, yeah. I love music. Well, hmm. Oh, this looks... Oh, the Beach Boys. I know the Beach Boys, California. And I was like... So I bought it, and I took it home. I... It was like an obsession. Yeah. Incredible. Like, I... It completely changed everything, dude. Like, everything. And from that, it led me into... I had no... Really, knowledge of genres. Yeah, I had no preference. When you're a kid, you're yeah, just it's, it's open. just music. Yeah, yeah. So my dad could put on something from the '50s, and I was completely wrapped up in it. Yeah, he could put on something in Spanish, some traditional music, totally wrapped up in it. Yeah, he could put on uh, a country song. Oh, yeah, this is so good. Yeah. Like I just, and I think that's what made me. I'm still to this day. I listen to all music. Yeah. I, when I say all music, I could be listening to. Someone playing tablas. Yeah. Yeah. Or hate read. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know what I mean? I, I just yeah. love, dude. Oh, it's everything. It's my whole world. It's what I breathe, you yeah. know? And uh, that, le- you know, from there, I, w- I got really into Michael Jackson. Okay. Really into Michael Jackson, yeah. man. I'm like, oh, man. I still am. I mean, yeah. it's a- what's not to love? Yeah. And uh, I didn't find. I, uh, okay, there was a guy at the swamp meet that would sell, t- he had a stand, he would sell cassettes. Okay, yeah, yeah. And they're all like, the bootlegs. All oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. fake ones, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I would walk by every day and I would stand there and hang around and look at all the tapes and he knew how interested I was. And this yeah. is in the 80s. So I remember buying some uh, how to break dance tapes wow. and, and old mixtapes, DJ mixtapes. Yeah. I didn't know what they were, it just looked interesting. And the yeah. guy would sell them to me a little cheaper because I was the kid that was there every weekend and uh, I remember bringing that home and that got me really into electronic music break dancing and I was super into break dancing when I was a little kid yeah pop a lock oh yeah yeah Yeah. terrible at it but I loved it you know so you so you were buying tapes that were like we're explaining to you yeah, how I would, to do like, it. I got a how to break dance tape with instructions and stuff yeah, right. how to do a move and I remember they would sell all, at that time there's all kind you could buy posters yeah. break dance moves yeah. and that got me into I, the guy was like I'll try listen to this you know and it was an actual DJ tape where he was doing a mix right you know early mixtapes was it like a was it just like a copy of a copy or was it like something that was somewhat professionally released somewhat you could yeah. tell the guy went to some tape duplicator and had his name put on yeah, it okay. or, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was probably a local guy just yeah. selling tapes at the swap you know yeah. and uh uh I learned about so many cool songs from those mixes. Yeah. You know, and uh, to, to this day, huge hip-hop fan, huge yeah. electronic music fan, like diehard. And that same guy, though, one day I went over there and he was like, hey, man, here's a broom. Sweep up for me. If you help me around here, 
I'll give you three tapes every weekend. Wow. Yeah, it was huge. That's yeah. a lot of money That's, for a kid, dude. Yeah. You know, it's a whole album. You know, so I'd sweep and organize everything for him, and he'd be like, "Pick out your tapes." Yeah. And I vaguely remember grabbing it because it looked... Do you remember a cartoon called Voltron? Yeah, dude. Yeah. We're not... I, we're like, you're 74? 1974. I'm, I'm 81, so we're not that Oh, dude, we're the same yeah. generation, dude. Yeah, yeah, we I, like I all know, the same yeah, cartoons yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I used to have the... Yeah, yeah, I had it all. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So Voltron looked like Judas Priest album covers. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know, yep. the, you know, yeah, yeah. And so I grabbed a Judas Priest tape because yep. it looked like Voltron. It's so good. So I brought it home, and I put it in, and I was like, this is, ugh. Like, it was so crazy it's to jarring. me. It's yeah, jarring. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if I, I don't even know if I like this, but I'll just keep letting it blast yeah. really loud. And I remember my parents, like, what is this? What is this, like, satanic music? Yeah. Or something? You know, that, it was a satanic? Yeah. Whoa, you know? And, uh, but then, like, I, I guess I discovered it. I, I kind of didn't like it. Okay. And I was like, I'm not into this. Fast forward to when I'm like 35, I become the biggest Judas Priest fan ever, and I'm like, oh, I'm so dumb. I could have liked him this whole time. Okay. Who? who why wasn't? Why didn't someone tell me? Just you know, put the yeah, tape back yeah. on, son. No, exactly. Yeah. And then I was right back to my breakdance tapes. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I was a kid. I didn't yeah. know any better. But not till I hit the sixth grade, I was skateboarding with a, two different guys. Oh, I don't want to skip anything. Am yeah, I no, skipping yeah. ahead? Yeah, no, kick out. Yeah, just... There was these two twins that went to my elementary school. Yep. Jimmy and Danny Canales. Okay. And they were the coolest kids, and, like, they were skaters, and, like, oh, man, I would skate to their house, and their mom was cool. We'd let all yep. the kids hang out and kind of be bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do bad stuff or whatever. And they took me skating, and we went to the the schoolyard of our school. Yep. Richmond Elementary School, where there was no Richmond. And, uh... <laughs> Uh, there were some older kids skating and they were like oh you want to meet these guys and I was like oh I don't know like older guys like kind of scared and so we skated and this older kid I, I, I couldn't tell you his name but I remember he had the skater bangs yeah 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 remember like, yep. like uh, Steve Caballero or yeah, Tony yeah. Hawk yep and I remember oh this guy's so cool and he had a little boom box okay and he put it down and he's like hey have you ever heard of the toy dolls I was like, I, I, no, I, I don't know what that is. I didn't know what it meant, you yeah, know? Not, what would you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. he pushed play. What is this? Yeah. What kind of music is this? Punk. Amazing. And then I remember going to that same flea market with my dad and seeing a guy working there with a mohawk and just being drawn to this guy. And every weekend I would like look for the mohawk guy. Yeah. And I remember telling my parents, I want my hair like that, like yeah. Mr. T. Yeah. And, and, and my mom actually told me the story. She's like, you were in elementary school, and they had a day where, like, what's your career going to be when you're older? You know, what do you want to be, a fireman? Yeah. Uh, forest ranger? Yeah. A dentist? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I said in front of the class, I want to be Mr. T. Oh, this <laughs> Yes. And so they had to explain to me, you you can't be a, a person, somebody else. It's not an occupation. Yeah, it's, you have yeah. to be a thing. You can't be another person. Yeah. So, um, hi, everybody. So, uh, uh, I, in turn, was, why can't I? Yeah. Who says I can't? Yeah. And yeah. then my mom, which I know now she was totally lying, 
a couple days later, she's like, well, I talked to the principal, and there's a dress code, no Mohawks at your school. But she just yeah. made it up so She's, I wouldn't yeah, yeah. get me off this Mohawk thing. Yeah, yeah. Fast and forward. That's, they're very believable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And fast forward later in life, I had Mohawk for years, yeah. you know. And I met Mr. T at a, well, an autograph thing where you could wait in line. Yeah, and yeah I, convention. I was like, I have this because of you. But um, And he was very gracious, and Good. I got an autograph. And, awesome. Oh, my God. Strongest man in the world. Yeah. And uh, so, so the Toy Dolls is where that started. And then after the sixth grade, we have what's called junior high. Some people call it middle school. I don't know yep. what they call it here, but... Just high school. Okay. Yeah. yeah, some of them are connected to high school. Like, we, we go grade one through grade six. Yep. And then we have seven and eight. Yep. And then we have high school. Yeah, so we do, well, kindergarten to six, then seven to 12. Okay, yeah. There's yeah. some parts of our country that do that. Yep. I don't know why it's different, but yeah. it is. Yeah. So I was in junior high, middle school. Yep. And uh, I was fascinated by this crazier music at this point yeah. but I was still me and my brother were still like deeply into like Duran Duran okay yeah. one of the greatest bands ever yeah. Yeah. and we were really into just what we could find yeah absolutely you know and Duran Duran had me man yeah. I love I still love Duran Duran and um then another my second punk rock experience yep. was uh Black Flag who's got the ten and a half live yep there was a kid Mike his name escapes me. Yep. I'm so sorry, man, if you hear this. But Mike was this really good skater in our neighborhood. Yep. And I was super into skating. And I was, at this point, I was super into Thrasher. And I was reading all the ads. Yeah. Black Flag, SST yep. Records, yeah. Skate Rock compilations. And I was, what is this? What does that mean? What, yeah. is, what is St. Vitus? What is this? What is Black Flag? What are those bars? Like, yeah. I didn't know what it meant. What are yeah. they advertising? Oh, it's, it's, it's music. Yeah. So this kid, Mike, comes over. And I had this set of uh, Rat Bones wheels, early Power Wheels. Yep. And they weren't, I had a skateboard, but I had these extra wheels, and he wanted those wheels really bad. And he had played me this tape. Yeah. And it was like a second generation copy. Yep. And it was like the greatest noise I'd ever heard. It just sounded like a car crash or something, yeah. and I couldn't yeah. stop listening. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 To, to what, I can't, nothing's that shocking anymore. Yeah. I'd imagine that the first time if you played an eight year old woman a black metal record yeah. is how Black Flag sounded to me in yeah. seventh grade.
day that drives me insane. I feel my heart that if I had a gun, I feel my heart I wanna kill. I wanna kill a motherfucking pig. I wanna kill, kill. And that, that's, not a, that's not a popular entry point for Black Flag. No, 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 not like, at all. Yeah. I, I, but so through, like, through that, I went deeper. And yeah. then if you ask anybody, at to, whenever we talk about Black Flag, it's my least favorite era of Black Flag. Yeah. But, but yeah. that record is so dear to me, and those songs are so good. Yeah. Dude, My War. Yeah. But uh, I think Kiro was playing bass on that live record. She's good. Yeah. But... Um, She's so good. But, um, so I traded him the wheels for that tape. Okay. Best thing I ever did yeah. in my life because that tape led me into everything punk rock. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this is old. Yeah. You know, which led me to Slayer, which led me to Suicidal, which led me, you know, to yeah. punk, thrash, everything. And I was a punk rocker yeah. from then on. And then from the Black Flag tape, I ordered the Adolescents Welcome to Reality 7-inch out of Thrasher magazine, okay. purple vinyl, yep. and it never came. Oh. And I was devastated, right? And there was like an ad order from this address, whatever. I ordered the 7-inch, but six months later it finally comes, and it was like the greatest thing in my life. Yeah. The Adolescents, and I was like, they're from here? They're from my town? Yeah. Wait. Because how would you know? No, yeah. Like, I was a little yeah, kid, you yeah, know? Yeah. This is from my... Wait, there's more bands from my town? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then we had this neighbor. My parents would always tell me to stay away from. His name was Doug. Yeah. I wrote a song about him in my first band called Doug the Punk. Good. Doug was a punker. Yeah. And that guy showed me some stuff, man. And, like, greatest records, cool tapes. And uh, I, I, I was a punker. Now, this adolescent 7-inch, I will... Quick tangent. Yeah. Fast forward to me being old, hanging out with Steve Soto. Rest in peace. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the best human being ever. Yeah. He, uh, I was talking to him when I go, you know, I ordered that Welcome to Reality 7-inch. I remember it took you like six months to send it, man. What's your guys' deal? And he started laughing, and he goes, well, what street did you live on? Oh, I lived on the corner of Courtney and Ash. And he goes, yeah, that came from about six blocks away. And it took six months because we, back then, he's all... We were like teen, you know, teens or twenties, yeah. 
and we're all wasted and yeah. just like the it was that era of punk he goes more than likely opened the envelope up and threw it to the side and went and bought beer yeah. with your money yep. yeah. I was like what what are you going to do like, I know and I was like oh, you did that to me yeah. what but it worked out because we ended up being bros you know yeah. and I still have that 7 inch awesome yeah was it so they self-released. That was a self-released. It was on Frontier Records, but okay. I don't know how their mail order worked yeah, or who right. put the ad in there. Maybe it was the they adolescent, may have had or a maybe bunch to then. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. yeah. But he did tell me that they would just oh, <laughs> so good. throw the throw the letter, yeah, <laughs> and go buy beer. Whatever, kid. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Bonkers, yeah. dude. You know, and uh, that I mean, the floodgates opened. I discovered early bad religion, uh, which changed my life exponentially, and. Um, I spent the rest of my life trying to rip off adolescence, bad religion, backup vocals. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could tell all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, it just led me into everything. And then the, I got deeply into the punk scene. And a couple of my childhood friends, I guess, became punks with me. Yeah. And, and uh, that was it. Yeah. That was it, you know. And all through middle school, through high school. And, I mean, I got so into it that I missed so many good bands because I was just so... Wrapped up in punk. Yeah. And when I say punk, to me at the time, I didn't know there was a difference in or subgenres or whatever. Yeah. So I was listening to punk. And when I say that, I was listening to How Could Help Be Any Worse? Yep. Joy Division Unknown Pleasures. Yeah. Okay. Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, because if you, go back, flag. if you go back up the tree, it's, it's all just punk. It's all punk. Yeah, yeah. You know, even Bauhaus. Yeah. I just was drawn to people that had something to say that was different against the grain, something darker, yep. something wilder, yeah. maybe even funny, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and but something that, could, like, radio wasn't playing. Exactly. And that you had to go hunt down. Really work to get. know the secret handshake kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And from an early age, I was into music that provoked thought. So at the same time I was listening to all that, I was listening to reggae music. Okay. I was listening to hardcore, yep. but I thought hardcore was punk. I, yeah. People, I didn't understand that. The Minor Threat, Seven Seconds, all these, people started saying hardcore a lot. And I didn't understand what that meant, but then I realized it was punk, then there was hardcore punk. Yeah. The fast stuff, you yeah. know, and that's what I wanted. Yeah. And uh, so fast, you yeah. know? And then that led me in later in life into hardcore hardcore yep. you know yeah but uh uh <clears throat> i didn't know there was a, a difference and then later on i started meeting straight edge people and okay. you know and i when i was young i wasn't into alcohol and drugs and uh my father was very ill and i remember he would always have to take meds yeah and he would always tell me these things are so terrible don't ever take drugs look at me yeah because he was really ill, but the drugs made it worse, you know? And uh, uh, it stuck in my head. Yeah. Fast forward later, I did tons yeah. of drugs, but, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> but but I was an adult, though, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it, I, for, that literally pushed me away from it. Yeah. And I was just not interested in it, and then I heard a Minor Threat record. I was like, oh, I don't do that either. Yeah, I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. I'm not alone. Seven seconds. Yeah. And I love straight-edge music. But I was never really a straight-edge guy. I guess I kind of was, but I wasn't. I remember I had a, a good friend, Bobby. Bobby Aragon. Shout out, Bobby. What's up? He, uh, <laughs> everybody used to call him Skunky. What's up, Skunky? But uh, he, uh, he wanted to be straight-edge. Yeah. We should be straight-edge. And I remember there was one day 
for one day, I was like, all right. And he drew an X on my hand, yeah. and I walked to school. It, yeah. yeah, and I walked to school with it, and all my ska friends made fun of me. And there was like five punkers at my school, so yeah, my yeah. one ska friend. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But he's and, a ska kid, so like, what's he going to do? Yeah, let's stick together, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like the one burnout, the hippie, the metal guy, a couple yeah. punkers, goth guy. Yeah. And, um, I remember I, I felt like I looked like an amalgamation of things because I was really into dark music. I was really into punk rock. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, you might see me with skater bangs and like a Bauhaus T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> some ripped up jeans. You know what I mean? And then some creepers or, you know, yeah. or convert. I was just a, a mix. It's, it's just a melting pot. I was a literal melting pot. Literally, yeah. yeah. And I was a mixed bag of things. And uh, I just found it on my own. You know, I got older and obviously partied my face off. Yeah. <laughs> which I don't really do anymore, but yeah. uh, had a great run. Yeah. Um, but punk literally changed my life. And then, you know, when I, through middle school and early high school, I was <laughs> pretty troubled, you know? Yeah. I and yeah. yeah. And I ended up getting in tons of trouble. I wasn't, like, I wasn't a bad kid in the way that I was, like, a bad person. I was just a bad kid. And, okay. you know, I had a really sick father. Things were really hard. We were very poor. And it's, it'd be a hard thing to wrap your head around as a young kid. Absolutely. Knowing that your father's... Going to die. It's, it's not going to last much longer, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I lashed out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I was very troubled, you know. And uh, at punk rock is where I found solace. Yep. You know, I could put my headphones on and turn that thing all the way up to 10, yep. and I would forget all my troubles. I'd forget all my sadness. I would forget everything. Yeah. You know, I was, because it, it was, it was pretty rough, you know? Mm-hmm. And we were broke as a joke, man, and struggling. And at that point, my dad had gotten really sick. My mom was working as much as she could to, to support us, yeah. you know? And then when I turned 15, I got my first job at like a pizza shop, yeah. you know? My brother was working the whole time. And, you know, it, it was it was pretty rough, man. And I think earlier in life we were poor. I just didn't know we were poor. Yeah, it was just normal because I always ate. I always had a roof over kids, my head. I wasn't. Kids in, don't know what normal is, so right. It's just like, I wasn't in the yeah. street starving or anything. Yeah. Like, don't get it wrong. I had a roof over my head, yep. clothing, and yep. food every Three day. Meals, yeah, yeah, my, and love. Yeah, love was the only thing that matters, and it still is. Yeah, and um, it's all you need. Exactly, and and my brother. You know, put himself through college, became really successful. My mom ended up becoming the in in our area, the number one translator in the area that was like go to. Well, like we need a translator for this or that. Yeah. That she was the call. Good. My mom was the head translator for the entire school district in the area. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we ended up like, I'm not rich or anything, but we kind of made it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. We got it. We got out of the hole. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um. Uh. I don't know. Punk rock was just my solace, man. And, and losing my father, I was a very depressed kid. Yeah. I, I became, he was my best friend. Yeah, okay. And I became very, very depressed. And uh, because I, I, I remember through high school, my dad, my dad was sick for years. Yeah. And uh, I would, you know, I got to the point where I started cutting school all the time, yeah. ditching school. And then I stopped hiding it. I remember one day I just came home. Just middle I, of the day or whatever. Yeah, just yeah. walked in the front door, going for it. Yeah, I walk to the front door. And my dad looks at me and says, "I bet you're the only kid in school with no homework today." <laughs> and I was like, "That's right." Probably right. Yeah. yeah and I was trying, thought I was a rebel, and I walked to my room and slammed the door. Yeah. Put on a record real loud. Whatever, Dad. He's a teenager, you know. Yeah. So I did it the next day. 
I walked in, and my dad goes, bet you're the only kid in school with no homework today. You got that right. Yeah. This happened a few times, and then finally he said it, and I go, yep. And he goes, all right, you want to go to the movies? That's powerful. So he was really sick. Very sick. Cancer, cirrhosis of the liver as so, well. Like, I guess he just thought, I can spend... I can spend this time fighting it, or I can just leave Embrace the best it. possible memory. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I eventually got kicked out of my school. Okay. And my dad would take me to all these, like, the R movies, like the adult movie, yep. you know, like yep. violent movies. Yeah. Shoot them up. And, my, and, you know, my mom, my mom knew the whole time, but kind of pretend she, she gave us the pass, you yeah. know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. my dad was like, don't tell your mom about yeah. this, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and, or there was a lot of don't tell your mom. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't tell your mom I still smoke cigarettes. <laughs> don't tell your mom this, you know. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, and you know, my dad came from Mexico from a pretty rough upbringing. And he was a fighter, you know. Yeah. My grandfather was a boxer. Okay. So uh, my dad was a pretty tough cookie, you know what I mean? So yeah. It, it, he handled things the way he knew how, but there's definitely a couple dust-ups here and there. My dad handled business. Like, I, I'll, I'll never forget this great story my mom tells. Yeah. I don't know if you guys had a company here called Amway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you can start your own it's, business. It's very... My, like my, Avon or my Herbalife. My fa- mother and father-in-law, like, was so deep in it. Okay, so you know Amway, right? So Too my, well. Too well. So you get it. Yeah. So my mom thought, oh, I can make a little extra money doing Amway. That's so the, the Am- beach. Yeah. yeah, no, right? Yeah. And it never works out. Yeah. So the Amway man had come by a few times and uh, setting my mom up, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the one night, we're just watching TV in the house, little, you know, we're just like, well, yeah. whatever show we're watching. Yeah. The A-Team or whatever, you know. And uh, the phone rings. And it was unusual for someone to call our house that late in the evening. Yep. So my mom answered. Hello? And then I kept seeing my mom's face. Yeah. Like a shock. My, my dad, what's wrong? And my mom says, she hung up. I think the Amway man is drunk. And my dad said, what did he say to you? And he pulled him aside. He said some inappropriate things. And he was hitting on my mom. Oh, right. Yeah, and he had been to our house a few yeah. times. And we, my dad knew where the Amway office was. And he, and he says, did he call you from the office? And she said, yeah. And he says, I've seen a little bit. Yeah, go for a drive. Never, never saw the Amway man yeah. ever again. Yeah. He went to the office and handed his ass to him at the handled office. Handled his business. Yeah. yeah. But my father towards us. Probably the most gentle yeah. human being you could ever meet in your life. Incredible. Yeah. But I, I, there was a, there's a lot of stories about my dad in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> from when we were young, he just handled business, yeah. man. He was a tough street dude from Mexico, you know. But um, literally lived on the streets a lot of his life. Okay. He ran away when he was 15 from a farm in Mexico and hot trains. Wow. And just was on his own from 15 on. Yeah. Just, just wanted something different. Rambling man, yeah. you know, like he, his. My father's life is a country music song. Yeah. It's. I'm. I'm not really telling you everything. It's just literally like some of the stories. Like some of my close friends are like, "There's no way that's real." Yeah. Like, I know. It's just bizarre. My dad's life was like a country song. Like he lived it. So at any rate, <clears throat> I started just hanging with my dad all the time, and then it turned into like my friends coming over and hanging out with my dad. And you know, later on in life, I've had. Different friends tell me, 
So crazy, man. Sometimes we get to your house early, and your dad would like smoke cigarettes with us and stuff, and tell him, tell me, tell us not to tell you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> My dad was the best, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then I started bringing punkers around, you know. Okay. Yep. And most parents were like, whoa, especially yeah. back then, you yeah. know. And you're, and you're getting yelled at walking down the street being a punker. Yeah. And uh, this kid Ian, I remember I brought him home, and he just looked insane, like early yep. punk, just yep. yeah, you know. And uh. I remember bringing him in and thinking, my dad's going to think this is so... Like, I just thought it was going to be total disapproval. Yeah. Instead of being my mad, my dad looked at my friend Ian and thought it, he looked hilarious. Yeah. He just thought it was funny. Yeah. So I remember I walk in, I'm like, what's up, dad? It's my friend Ian. And he's all... <laughs> and starts laughing, dude. Look, no disrespect to any, like, you know, 77 revivalist totally punkers. but... It's fucking, it's like, it's insane. It's insane. Totally. Like, we, we, we talked earlier about punk rock bowling. Oh, yeah. It's my first experience of going there. It's but insane. I've, but, like, those punkers come out in force. It's like, hold on. It's nearly summer. It's, let's call it, like, you know, it's the fucking desert. Dude, yes. You don't need it. Like, just, you know, dress appropriate. <laughs> you know, but, like, power to them. Power I to know them. you're yeah. on leather. You know, okay. We've done a significant amount of touring with the casualties. Okay. And they're like, we came here with the casualties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like some of our best friends. And I always give it up to them. I'm like, you guys, if I was to Google punk, yeah, I would that, expect you to pop Google up. That's the image. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I look at people like Jake, Jake Casualty, one of the raddest dudes ever, best guitar players yeah. ever. Dude. You are it. Yeah. I'm all, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Like, you live it die hard. There's not one morning that you walk out of the house that you don't look awesome. Yeah. You know, like, he lives yeah. it, and he's still fighting that fight, man. Yeah. Honkers. It's incredible. Like, at uh, Punk Rock Bowling a year or two ago, I forget, GBH. Okay. They walk out on stage in 100-degree heat. Yeah. In all black leather and studs. And, and the singer just looked so cool, and he's... Yeah, in the sun. Yeah. And it was like he didn't even break a sweat. What are these guys like? Yeah. They're not human. They're just accustomed to it. Yeah, it's, just, yeah. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. But um, so uh, I would hang out with my dad all the time, cool. and it just turned into us kind of broing down and broing down with all my friends. Then I got a guitar, like an electric guitar. Yeah. I just I don't remember where a flea market or something or a yard sale or something, and and my dad just even though. I know he didn't like what I was trying to emulate with it and, yeah. and the fact that I couldn't play it. I was just making crazy loud noise yeah. all day and I'm so supportive. Yeah, cool. Oh, you want to jam with your friends? Well, let's clear out the backyard. Let's make it happen. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and my mom was right behind him, but she was just so busy, you know, and, and, and so he was, just, he was just there. Yeah. And I was just home with him every day all day because I wouldn't go to school. And then I got, because I got kicked out of my school, but then I got accepted into a school for bad kids. Okay. I, could, I guess you call that a continuation school. I yep. don't know what they call it here. Yeah. And you go for like half a day. It's like fake school. Yeah. But I got my diploma just because my dad wanted me to get one. Yeah, cool. That's, you know what yeah, I mean? And he didn't fantastic. have the luxury to get one himself. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up getting my actual diploma. Yeah. <laughs> Miracle. Yeah. And uh, I was so wild at that point, man. I was completely out of control. And then when my dad passed... <laughs> Because, you know, I was, it, it fucked me up, yeah. dude. Like, I can't tell you how fucked up I was. And it's probably a good thing I wasn't partying. Yeah. But I, what I was doing was I was crazy, dude. 
going out with my punk rock friends. Yep. Just, dude, I, my first car that I got for 400 bucks, I would see like some house, a bunch of trash cans, I would drive straight into them, explode all the trash. Like, I mean, we were out of our minds. We'd do donuts in people's front yards, yep. jump off curbs in the car. Like, yeah. dude, I should be dead, dude. Like, it was insane. And we, and we would go to every punk show. And then the car broke down. We'd ride our bikes yeah. miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. take buses, whatever. And then the bus stops running. We'd walk home in the middle of the night yeah. for four hours to get home. Just for the coolest. Yeah, because yeah. we saw a show. Yeah. I yeah. saw a band play live. And it was like... Maybe not necessarily even a band anyone's ever heard of. Yeah. I just saw a live band. That's all that mattered. Yeah. Yeah. And then we started finding out about the gigs. Yep. Oh, I can go see Youth Brigade play? Yeah. Whew, I'm there. How were you? So how were you finding out? Like, was it flyers and shops? Or? Flyers. Yeah, yeah. Flyers and shops. Yeah. Exactly, flyers and shops. And uh, the first punk show I ever saw, I think... It was the Vandals. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it was in a parking lot, and there was a, there was a little ramp. Yep. And uh, there was a Vision Skateboards. Okay. guy named Jinx. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he was popular here, but... The name sounds yeah, vaguely Ma Marty familiar. Marty Jimenez, but his skate name was Jinx. Jinx yeah. yeah, and he had a Jinx deck, and I remember I got to see him skate in front of me. I remember the deck, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I with the jester on it. Yep. I saw him skate in front of me, and I was just like, dude... Whilst the Vandals were playing. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable, Special. dude. It yeah. was, uh, and I remember being like, "What's happening right now?" And then I saw the circle. Yeah. The pit okay. started, and me and my friend Todd Tyler. What? You're fourteen, fifteen. I had to be. Yeah. It, yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm. What year was that? I don't know. I was young. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my friend Todd Tyler went with me, and his dad Bob. The coolest Bob Tyler was a cool dad, man. Yeah. He took us and dropped us off. That's awesome. And there was this pit started going. Yeah. And it was a little scarier back then, I think. Oh, and, and so, I, plus I was young. Yeah. Did like when I think of early LA punk and hardcore and that whole thing. Yeah. The the first thing that comes to mind is violence. Oh, it was very violent. Yeah, like, and it was much more violent so, before me, but yeah, I saw yeah. a lot of violence. And, I, all the venues were getting nothing, shut down left and right. Nothing that you could even comprehend today. Oh, dude, no. Like, it's yeah. Oh, dude, on I, a whole other level. Yeah. I, there was a, a local venue by my house called the Ice House. It was an old brick building that was an ice house in the yeah. olden days. And okay. They started throwing shows out of this old building. It's a church now, I think. But uh, uh, and the area is very gentrified now. But yeah. uh, uh, lofts and things, yeah. you know. But uh, we went to the ice house. Yeah, I mean, that venue got shut down because there was, like, three stabbings. And at Vandals' show, someone got killed, I think, or it's, stabbed. It, like, and it's weird to say the Vandals because a lot of people's point of reference is, like, the goofy, you know, yeah, like, and the, nothing the, wrong the with The later era of the yeah, Vandals like, is what people know. The, the Nitro Records. Oh, totally. But they came out of a nasty scene, right? It's, yeah. And uh, the ice sauce. I mean, I saw unbelievable fights at shows, man. It yeah. was like a war. And uh, I was standing in the back with my back against the wall, scared out of my mind.
we'd go to a lot in the states. It's really popular to do house shows, like in backyards. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And they call them something else here, parlor shows or something like uh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, that didn't take. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, we go to a lot of house shows. We go to a lot of house shows, and uh, like it, it was really. Sc- I mean, dude, I saw shit you fucking wouldn't believe, man. Yeah. Like. There was a big problem with Nazis back in the day. Yeah, in especially California. in that yeah OC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 it was it was them versus everyone, and there was a lot of them back then. Yeah. And but I will say proudly, they got stomped out of the scene. Dude. Yeah. Good. And it took years, but they were gone. And so many years went by. You never saw a Nazi ever until the last few years. I'm starting to see him again. Donald Trump. Thank you. Wow. Now they have a voice and they're coming back out. Yeah. And the, but yeah. Uh, we won't let them win. But it's not like it was, don't get me wrong, yeah, but yeah. you see the occasional dude where you're like, that dude's a Nazi. Yeah. Like, not hiding a Nazi. No, they're yeah. not hiding it anymore. Like, yeah. uh, there was recently uh, a band called Reagan Youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I book shows at home. Yep. My cousin has a venue and I put Reagan Youth on. They were on tour. Yep. Some Nazis showed up. No one could believe it. Like, man, it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> where you been? You know, and they showed up. And I'll tell you what. The crowd stomped them out yeah. and rolled them out the venue. Yeah. So we still stand strong. Yeah. And I'm not a fighter guy. I'm, look at me, I'm just yeah. a skinny little nothing, you know, yeah. but uh, I used to be a fat nothing too, but <laughs> really big guy. But I was never the, I was always the guy that was hey, just happy, you yeah. know, I just like music. I didn't want to fight anybody, you know, I was, I never claimed to be a tough guy or any of that stuff, but certainly was around a lot of it. And yeah. like, okay, I'll tell you a story. We, in high school, I had started jamming with some friends, and we were trying to get a band going, and we had a few songs. Yep. And this dude says, hey, my aunt's out of town. I'm having a little party at my house. Why don't you guys come over and jam in the living room, and you can play for some people? Yeah. All right, let's try it. I had my guitar, yeah. yeah. So we get this party, starts filling in. Dude, like 50 Nazis showed up to this party. Because, you know, you have a big backyard. There could be 100 people in the house. Yeah. And no, you know, it's common. Yep. A couple hundred people even. And uh, a lot of Nazis showed up. And I remember it seeing a kid get pushed, basically thrown into a fish aquarium in this house. And it shattered. A Jeez. big aquarium. Yeah. Big. Like four feet long. Yeah. And I remember just being... I didn't understand what was happening. And someone's like, fucking Nazis. I'm like, oh, shit. Because he was black. Yeah. It was crazy, and I remember us literally, like, our tiny little amps, like, throwing them out a window to our friend, trying to get out of this house. Yeah. People started running and jumping over walls in the backyard. There were so many of them, dude. They were started beating everyone up. And I remember running out of that house, right? I lived in an area where it was kind of split, but a lot of Mexican people. Yeah. And this car full of uh, cholos pulls up. I don't even know what a cholo is. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A bunch of cholos pull up in this car, and I grew up around all those kids. Yeah. So those kids kind of left me alone because I was Mexican, and yeah, also because yeah, yeah. I grew up with them all. Yep. And uh, they pull up, and I see a couple dudes, and they're all, what the fuck's going on here, hey, blah, blah, blah. And, and we're all talking, Nazis. It's like a movie. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Nazis, Nazis. And I just started running, dude, because I didn't want to be around it. And all I see is that dude get out of his car, gun in hand. Yeah. We're out of here. Stage left. Crazy, Gone. dude. We, yeah. I mean, dude, it was not uncommon to see guns. It was not uncommon to see knives everywhere. It was, it was, dude, I remember just being scared at a lot of shows. And then it mellowed out. 
Yeah, okay. It just mellowed out and like Sublime came into the picture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. the new era of punk came in. Came true. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, but uh, dude, I mean, I guess that's a, sh- a very short of it. I don't know, but I mean, dude, I fight after fight after fight. I can't tell yeah. any fight. And not that there was guns everywhere and knives everywhere, but they were there. Yeah. But I mean, as far as just fist fights, because we come from the era of fist fights. Yeah. And dudes fought. Yeah. I. I can't tell you how many fights I saw. I mean, it was endless. Yeah. At school, at house parties, at shows. It was violent, dude. It was crazy. And I had this friend that was so... I was so lucky I had this big, yeah. giant punker friend, man. Yeah. He's my age, but he grew up real fast. Yep. So tall. An Apache Mexican. Okay. So he's, Big, yeah. dude. Yeah. And he would just walk in and just start stomping fools. Yeah. And, uh, dude, I mean, literally, like... People on people's backs at shows, like to be spun around and punching dudes' head. I mean, it was. Yeah. I, I never seen anything like that, man. And I, I, I hope I never see it again. But it, it, it was truly violent. Yeah. It was crazy, and then it, it just got better, you yeah. know. But it was wild back then, dude. And I saw so many great bands, man. So many amazing bands. I early shows. Yeah. And but of all genres, because yep. I was the dude going to every show. Yep, for sure. You know, whether it's. I don't know, fire hose. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. or, I mean, I wouldn't saw everyone. I'd go see fire hose, I'd go see Sublime, I'd go see Bad Religion. Yep. You know, I'd go see all the crusty bands. Yeah. I'd go, you know, uh, I remember when Fear Factory was a crusty band and they were a backyard party band. Wow. Oh, I didn't realize I was from that you area. Know, I, I mean, I wouldn't totally call them a crusty band, but they were a lot crustier, that first record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real grindy. Yeah. And so they'd play with all the crust core bands. Yep. You know, and, Fast forward years later, we played with them, and I'm telling them, like, oh, I used to see you at parties. That's awesome. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of hardcore bands. God, I'm just trying. It's it's trying to pull all these memories back, you know? But uh, it's crazy, man. Like, it it was... Then through the 90s, the scene became interesting because there wasn't so many separated subgenres. Okay. So it wasn't uncommon to... Like, you could see no doubt with a punk band, you know, yep. like a harder punk band, yeah. punk band, you know, and, but we, and we saw, no doubt, a thousand times, yeah. but, um, uh, it's kind of turned into that era of everything, and the 90s yep. was so great, and the punk explosion of the 90s was Which, incredible. like, Ground Zero was something. Orange California. County, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was it. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, dude, what a great era to be around for yeah. punk rock in the 90s, dude. And to be that young and to... I'm such a fan, dude. Yeah. I am a fucking nerd, dude. I... Oh. And and fast forward, my favorite band, Bad Religion, to get a phone call from Brett Gerwitz. You want to yeah. make a record? <laughs> so before... Okay, before we talk about that, because oh. that's, that's a story. Like, you know, there's oh. a million of them. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, what, what was the impetus for to take I guess playing guitar but like then you started just singing like well, I did ha- you play guitar and sing and then drop the guitar or yeah what? that's yeah, exactly yeah. what I did I, I had a band called Clint named okay. after my friend Clint because yep. we didn't know what to call the band I'm was he in the band no he was no. just hanging out I'm cool. all, I don't know I'm going to call it Clint yep sure well, that works he's punkers we don't care and uh, we were a three piece punk band and I played guitar and sang and I wasn't very good Okay. but I tried my best yeah. and, and we did a DIY tour in a band through the states one summer wow and we actually made it back alive <coughs> excuse me 
<laughs> and um, I tried as hard as I could with that band, and I think we just hit the wall finally. And yeah. so I had a friend that I'd met through our bass player named Paul Miner, yep. who's now a famous record producer. Yeah. Um, he introduced me to him. We went. There was a pizza pub at the local college that would have free shows on Thursdays during the day. Yep. And right before White Trash, Two Heaps and a Bean came out, yeah. No Effects played there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So we went to see No Effects, and I started hanging out at this pizza pub. Yep. And Paul Miner would go there too. And my friend Tim, our bass player, was like, "Hey, you need to meet this dude, Paul." I'm really? He's all, "Yeah." He had a four-track tape recorder. Yep. He's all, "Yo." Paul has a studio at his yeah, house. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> we got to go to his house, man. He can help us make our demo. Yeah. You know, it's my band Clint. So fast forward, we go, we go to Paul's house and he says, yeah, I have my own label. We're called Dental Records. That's right. Yeah, Dental Records. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he had put out a cassette for his own straight edge band. Okay. His band was called Kleenex. Right. Okay. And yeah. uh, it was him and his brother, Jim Miner. Yep. Who is now a very famous tattooer in uh, in the states? You know, yep. uh, they broke up, and they uh, a bunch of our friends. There was a band called the Decons. There was all these different local bands, and so all of my friends that were the best players in all those bands had all gotten together to jam. Okay. So the original DBS lineup that was on our demo cassette. Yep. Dan joined the. I consider Dan an original member. Yeah. He yeah, joined yeah. the band like maybe a year after we started. Yeah. That's that's OG enough. Right. Yeah. The guitar player on our demo is Eagle Bones Falcon Hawk of the Aquabats. Yeah, okay. Ian Fowles. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He played in Sensefield, Further Seems Forever. Yeah. He's the guitarist for Gerard Way. Yeah. Like he became very successful. Yeah. And uh uh he has a that's TV a show. Trip. He has a kid's show. Yeah, oh, I know it's all about Oh, it. I'm a super yeah, fan. Yeah. I yeah. love the Aquabats. Yeah. When he joined, I was like, you, you're what? Yeah. Aquabats, like they're the best band ever. Yeah. You know, and uh uh Is he was he religious? Yeah. Okay. And uh that's why he quit our band to go on his mission. Right, okay. But I was so naive back then, I just jamming with these dudes and I was like, wait, what do you mean? Yeah. Well I have to leave. Why? What I, yeah, it's what I do. What and do. I remember being so confused and hurt. Yeah, okay. He left. We just started our band, man. We wrote all these songs. So Ian wrote half that first record with us. Yeah, right. Okay. So we had released a cassette and a 7-inch with Ian yep. on Dental Records. Yep. Recorded at Paul's recording studio. Yep. yep. And uh, Paul had just become an intern at a local studio called For the Record. Okay. That studio was where uh, maybe bands... No one's ever heard of anywhere, but locally. Yep. But like the cool local bands and some big bands all recorded there. Yep. And uh, there's a band called the Cadillac Tramps. It's very uh, important to Southern California punk. Okay. The Cadillac Tramps. Okay. And they recently were able to get their out of print records. They get, they have a kind of a collective, a retrospective on Spotify. Right. Okay. Cadillac Tramps. Yep. They are. They carried Orange County on their back. No doubt was opening for them. Even Corn was opening for them. Wow. When bands couldn't, you couldn't just. We're only going to play with punk bands. It didn't happen. You play with whoever you yeah. could play with. You just know? whoever was down. So they were the band. Yeah. And uh, they recorded there. And so we started hanging out there, doing demos there. Paul would work in exchange to get free studio time in the middle of the night. Yep. You yep. know the classic story. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. the intern. And so we started hanging out there. And then we started meeting all these other bands. Yeah. You know, so the, so the demo had Ian, Jared Alexander on drums, who was our first drummer, who is now the drummer of Alkaline Trio. Like two of my favorite bands, oh, Alan that's Trio awesome. and Suicide Fire. Oh, dude, 
suicide. Come on. And now Yeah. And he also played drums in Gerard Way's band. Yeah. Ian, yeah. Which is, I yeah. can't wrap my head around how good and he, he did is. A, didn't he do a uh, actual My Chemical Romance album? He did. He's I on the he, he's on the last stuff. Yeah. He did the last touring of My Chemical Romance right, too. Okay. Yeah. I think he came here to Soundwave with them or something. Okay, right. But um, I remember talking to him about it and him being like, "I whoa!" All of a sudden, I, I he went from our little world to stadiums. Yeah. You know, so proud of him. You know, yeah. and he's the best man ever, Alkaline Trio. And Jared became kind of the go-to hardcore guy. He's on American Nightmare Records, Throwdown yeah. Records, Hope Conspiracy. I mean, yeah. e- everyone. Uh, Suicide File. Yep. And um, and it was Jared. Jim, Paul, Ian, and myself. Yep. So they started jamming. I wasn't in the band. I heard they were jamming, and I was like, hey, can I come over and like hang out? Yeah. I just wanted to watch all my favorite friends that were the best players I knew in my neighbor, yeah. neighboring cities and stuff. Sure. So I had to take a bus kind of far to get to Jared's house where they are jamming, but the line stopped before his house, so I would get off the bus, get go to the payphone at 7-Eleven, Put the quarters and call. Okay, I'm at I'm at the 7-Eleven. Okay, someone's gonna come down and pick you up, and then they drive me up to his house. Cool. And I did this a few days in a row, and I kept being like, "Hey, like, remember my band? We uh, we played those parties and stuff." Like, is anyone using that microphone? No, exactly. Yeah. And, and then they were all kind of just like, "Ah, oh, we're good." Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no, on. it was totally like that. It just blew me off, and yeah. I was like, oh, "I'll just sit back down in the corner yeah. with a couple of our friends that were watching him jam, yeah. watching our cool friends jam." You yeah. know, they were like the cool kids, you know, and and uh, uh, being totally amazed by them. And then one day, finally, they were like, "All right, all right, give it a try." So I brought a, t- a tape recorder over, yep. and I recorded the practice. Cool. And they had a song, the first song the band wrote. It was called "Confusion." <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so they, but the music was just, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't comprehend how crazy they were playing. Yeah. I didn't know anyone that could play that well. Yeah. And it was, the music was so complex. And uh, we have a song called Looking Out for Number One. Yep. It's the first song we ever wrote. Okay. That was Looking Out for Number One. And so they handed me a page of lyrics. The song's called Confusion. Here's the lyrics. Go home, listen to the, your tape recorder, and here's the lyrics. Fit that in. So I went home and I just went, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I was like, and I was listening to it, and I just started writing those lyrics. Yeah. And I showed up at the next practice and was like, all right, guys, song's called Looking Out for Number One. You like, used to know it was confusion. Exactly. Yeah. Told it back to future moment. All right, guys, in the key of G, yeah. trying to keep up. Yeah. You know what Take I mean? the bass for a wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I remember they're all kind of like, what? And Ian being like, dude, I wrote that song, you know? Yeah. And then I sang it, and they were just, wow. We're cool with that. Yeah. I've been playing that song for 21 years. Yeah. It's crazy. That it's song ended up on Punkorama 5, our yep. first album. Then we signed to Epitaph, and they we didn't have anything yet, any music yet, so they just took it off the album. Yeah, okay. Being on Punkorama at the time, especially in the States, it was like having a single on the radio. Yeah. There were such big compilations that everybody found their music from them. Absolutely. We would go on tour on our summer first tours, get to a city we'd never been to, opening for some big band, play the whole set. Nobody moves an inch. We played "Looking Out for Number play that One." One song, yeah. boom. Yeah. yeah. So, that, anyways, so those comps, like those and the fat comps. Oh, it's survival of the would, fattest. Just that whole yeah, they were, they were so incredible. Like, and it it, it hit 
obviously without the population, but it still hit just as hard out here. Absolutely. As it did, every, like, yeah. That's was, rad that you guys were on the Punkarama wave. That's cool. Absolutely. And yeah. Uh, that was your internet. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Comp CD. Yep. Oh, look at all these new bands. Yep. Yeah. So I started jamming with them. Fast forward, we made our demo. Then we moved into making our full length, and uh, Ian had to go handle his business, you know? Yep. And uh, do his mission. And uh, that day, our friend Keith Barney was just hanging out at the house, who was the singer of Throwdown, the original singer oh, of Throwdown. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Guitarist yeah. of Adamantium. Yeah, yep. Guitarist of 18 Visions. Yep. Um, he was just hanging out. He's just our buddy. Yeah. And uh, we're sitting there like, oh, what are we going to do? And I remember Ian said bye and he left and Keith was just sitting there and he just looked at us and he's like I'll do it and we were like cool we have a guitar player yeah. that's how like it was just like that when you're yeah. kids you know oh sick and you're yeah. one of the best guitar players I know you're yep. Keith Barney and, and he wasn't international Keith yet you know yeah, no, yeah. but uh, so he ended up playing on the first album yep and then Keith ended up being in Throwdown, Adamantium, and Death by Stereo at the same time. So he had to choose. And back then, I was so lame, dude. I was just like, whatever. Yeah. You're abandoning me. You don't want to be my friend anymore. He quit my band. But what happened around that time is uh, the other guitarist of Adamantium, which he quit the band because he was in Adamantium already. Then the other guitarist of Adamantium is Aaron Lisi from Hope Conspiracy, yeah. He just, who is now like does sound for Vandals and Pennywise and stuff. Yep. He was like... Well, I'll do it. I'm like, what? he just quit because yeah, no, no. he was yeah. too busy. Yeah. And we're like, all right. And he was in the band for like a couple months and too busy. Yep, yep. And Dan was in a band called Eyelid, okay. local hardcore band that was incredible, really dark, like Greg Ginn guitar tendencies, yep. but dark like the Deftones kind of, you know. And Paul was recording them. Paul gave me this tape. You got to hear this band. Yeah. They're incredible. They're called Eyelid. Okay. And took it home like, whoa, this is incredible. I'm like, God, oh, that guy's so good at guitar. And Paul comes to a rehearsal and he's like, eyelids breaking up. I was like, do you know Dan well enough to ask him? Get him over. Yeah. yeah. And we had opened for eyelid a few times yep. on our demo cassette. And I remember some of the people surrounding his band were like really tough. And I remember being intimidated by Dan and intimidated by his friends, you yeah. know? And, and he was in this really brooding, dark, heavy band. So I was like, God, man, he's, he's really gnarly. Like, I, I, I have to play with him. <laughs> you know, I was so drawn yeah. to Dan. Yeah. drawn to his presence. It's just incredible. And, 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 and meet him, and he's the funniest human. Nobody can be funny when Dan walks in the room. He's yep. the funniest dude he's I know, my like, best friend to this day. Yep. And um, he came over, and I'll never forget... Later on, Dan telling me, man, I heard that first demo and was like, wow. So then I saw you live and was like, these guys are awful. Because <laughs> we, just, we just didn't pull it, you yeah. know what I mean? And uh, yeah. um, we just didn't pull it. And, uh, but then he ended up agreeing to join the band. And uh, it was funny because Aaron Lisi was still playing with us, but it was, he was too busy yep. on and off. But it was funny, he came over. And we didn't tell Aaron he was coming over because we were all scared. And yeah, like, right. dude, Aaron's our friend. What are we going to do? And he came over and Jim Miner, dude, good old Jim Miner tact, 
He looks at Dan. He goes, all right, so here's the deal, man. So you, you, you're going to be in the band. Then you want to be in the band, right? Dan's like, yeah. He's like, I love this band. Let's do it. You got to tell Aaron he's not in the band anymore. <laughs> That's your initiation. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so Dan goes outside and has to say, look, man, it's not working. The guys say it's not working out. Yeah. It's just so funny, dude. Fast forward, we all think it's silly. Yeah. We're all still best friends, you know. But yeah. uh, Dan joined the band, and my life's changed for, for the better forever. Yeah. And uh, uh, we made the f- we made the first full length of Indecision Records. Yep. We played at a coffee house called Coos Cafe in Santa Ana, California. It was this little ca- coffee house that let bands play in the living room. It was yeah, an cool. old house that yep. they made into a coffee shop. You've been to a place like that yeah, probably yeah. in here. And uh, I remember we were playing there, and Dave, who does Indecision Records. There was a little diner on the corner. I'm like, hey, man, I'm wondering if you go, want to go eat with us. Like, I want to talk to you about what you think about our band. Yeah. He's like, all right. You know, we gave you our demo. And I remember we thought we were making a big move. The diner was called Norm's, Norm's Diner. Yep. And we were like, we bought him a basket of French fries. Good. Yep. Really had to butter him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are we thinking? You know, it's so silly. We bought him some fries. Here you go, some fries, man. Yeah, yeah you want a Coke? Yeah, like, no, yeah. totally, totally. We're eating with him. And so finally he's like, all right, guys. Sounds like you're pretty serious about being in a band. You know, he's like, I own a van. You could borrow if you want to go on tour. Wow. And he's like, I'd be interested in making a record. Oh, my God. And yeah. So we made our first record. What was on the Indecision roster at the time? Ooh, I'm trying to remember. Like, was it? Adamantium had just come out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Throwdown on? I don't remember. They were, but I don't remember if they were before or after yeah, okay. us. Yeah, yeah. It was all around the same time. Yeah. Ensign was the big band on his label. Of course, yeah. Ensign yeah. was the biggest band on the label, and we ended up doing a split with them on, on yeah, Indecision. Yep. But uh, yep. I remember thinking, like, damn. I'm, just, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm bugging the fuck out of Tim to come on this. He's the best. Yeah. I, you know what? Make it happen. Tim. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll shoot. I'll shoot yeah. him a message. Yeah, good. <laughs> Tim, you should do this, man. I love you, Tim. And uh, uh, to to us, dude, Ensign may as well have been rancid. Yeah. To me, there was this incredible band. Yep. Doing everything I wished I could ever do, and packing out shows and yeah, just they would go off, dude. Tim's energy was insane. Well, dude. Did they get did they get a good reception on the West Coast? Yeah, they did. Okay. Really good reception yeah, cool. because every, all the Indecision Records kids, we had a strong scene at that right, time. Cool. Indecision was like happening at the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'll speak up. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and um, the show started then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they were happening and uh, uh, we met them and the whole scene broke up and they were really well received on the West Coast. They jumped to Nitro Records. Yeah. Like, you know... Uh, it was just our introduction to the broader scene, and then we uh, had taken our demo tape to the AFI guys. Okay. We knew them already. Yep. Before they were popular. Yep. They uh, Paul had written a letter because in the seven inch it said sell, send a self-addressed stamped envelope for a patch or sticker. Yep. And he wrote him a letter with it, and they wrote him back. What city are you in? Paul tells them. They go, Oh, we're coming down to play a show. And we need somewhere to stay. AFI used to come stay at Paul's parents' house, wow. at his mom's house. He'd sleep on the floor all the time, yeah. Yep. And we'd all hang out, like sleep over. Hey, guys. You know? Yeah. It's funny, huh? Amazing. And uh, it's, it, it is funny, huh? Yeah. And uh, we were all just friends, so we gave him the demo. They knew who we were. Paul actually roadied for him for a tour. Okay. I think it was the AFI Strife Snapcase tour. Wow. And crazy. How crazy is so, that? Like, so what... 
This is 99, 98, 97, around there. So they weren't... They, they were, weren't big. They were, well, they weren't, I, they weren't what they were. They were still on Nitro. No, they, before Nitro, this is the first oh, time wow. I met them. Okay, right, right. Yeah, when they were on Wingnut Records. Wingnut Records, Before yeah. the record got reissued. Yeah. Uh, they were playing like 50 kids, probably. Yeah. You know, like maybe 50 kids, you know? Yeah. So uh, we all became friends, and then we kept in contact, and when the album came out, Gave them the album. Dude, they were like, hey, do you guys want to go on tour? And that was the year Black Sails came out. Which is my favorite album. Yeah, and it's the best. And yeah. But nobody knew it was going to be as big as it was. How could you? Right. And uh, <clears throat> But to us, an, an AFI tour period is the biggest thing in the world to us. Yeah. So the tour was a band from Oregon called Berserk. It was on Recess Records. Uh, 88 Fingers. It was us, 88 Fingers Louie, AFI. Okay. And 88 Fingers Louie broke up the day before the tour. And we got bumped up to main support. Wow. So we got to play to a packed house every fucking night. To this day, thank you, Joe. Is this, <laughs> is this the, was this like the final, like was this the, they broke up and then they got back together? No, this is the final breakup. Up. Yeah, so it was when it they did over. Back on the Streets. And it, right yep. when Rise Against, yeah, right yeah. before Rise Against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were on the first Rise Against tour before they had an album too. Yeah. And, uh. The Snow Jam. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Whoa. And, um. Uh, so we uh, we went up the West Coast with AFI and got to play to all packed houses all the way up the West Coast. We were the luckiest band on earth. Yeah. And then we did the rest of the country all DIY. Yep. And played DIY shows, but they all ended up being great, and things were just happening fast. Yeah. We made that record, and then uh, we did a lot of DIY touring behind it. Yep. We did an incredible summer tour with Bane and Adabantium. Yep. And then after that. Uh, so what is it? Sorry, before you go on, what is it about? You seem like there's there's that like you're literally you know on the opposite two corners of the of the continental U.S. Yeah. like Boston and Orange County. Oh, yeah. What was it about those two areas that got on so well band wise? Like strange band. Well, does that make sense? Like no, no, it makes total sense. There's Bane, that weird connection. We had a but really nothing similar. Nothing at like all. The music was completely different yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Lyrically, it was di- everything was different. Yeah. Um, I think we just had such a strong hardcore scene in Orange County. Yep. Okay. Like I mean, man, it was strong. Hardcore bands played, and everyone showed up. Yeah. I mean, everyone. It was strong, dude. Yeah. And so you'd hear, you'd see a flyer, hardcore from Boston. I have to see what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to Boston anytime soon. No, exactly. Yeah. Like, you got to see what this is all about. And yeah. then you'd see this other kind of hardcore. Yeah. Disjointed and heavy and weird and dark and kind of metal, but It not. definitely came from a different... It, it comes from a different place. Yeah, we came from spinning in circles and octave mm. chords over the adolescence yep. to hearing this... Yeah, this was very... That That's... It's a very Black Sabbath. Like you can, thank you. You can kind of see the through line towards Black Absolutely. Sabbath. Absolutely. And at the time, Depend- yeah. to me, I was I started hearing all this East Coast hardcore that was emerging that was so metal. Yeah. And I remember at the time going, I like this. I'm drawn to it because it's kind of like Slayer, but there's no solos. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, like Earth Crisis riffs and yep. stuff. Yeah. So uh, we did that tour with Bane and Adamantium, and then uh, Paul Miner gets a phone phone machine message. Hey, what's up? This is Brett Gerwitz. I'm looking for Paul Miner. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm looking for Paul Miner, blah, blah, blah. Give me a call. Paul calls me and he goes, we had this friend Ryan Clark. He was a joker. 
Stupid Ryan Clark, man, left a message on my machine saying he's Brett. So we, we didn't call back. As you don't. Yeah. What would you? Yeah, we're all stupid, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Three phone calls later, Paul says, hey, I got another message, but it was from a girl saying she's Brett Gerwitz's assistant. I think we should call back. Yeah, we, we, we almost literally blew it. Yeah. So we called, he called back, and Brett was like, yeah, I'd like to talk to you guys. I really like your music. So what? So... Uh, he came to see us at a venue called the Key Club in yep. Hollywood. We had gotten on a short, like, five-day tour. It was... I forget who the opener was. It was somebody, Death by Stereo, Straight Faced, and Ignite. Yep. And, uh, wow. It was the Orange County Invasion, as yep. it was called. We had played the night before, like, a couple hours south. <clears throat> sold out, packed Kind of hometown-ish. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, like... I mean, nuts, right? Yeah. And we're like, we're going to Hollywood to play the Key Club Let's tomorrow, man. Woo! <laughs> like 15 people showed up, right? Yeah. And then I look up in the balcony, and I see Brett Gerwitz with his now wife, then girlfriend, Gina. They're sitting in the balcony, and we're all just like, dude. <laughs> and, like, the 15 people that were there were a lot of friends, which was rather supporting us. But all the friends we told, this is the one. Yeah. You've got to be there. No one showed up. They all came the night before. It, you know, and that show was glorious, but why couldn't he see that one, yeah. you know? Yeah. So we didn't know what to do. So not everyone in our band drank and partied, but I was drinking by then. Half and half. Yep. So we're like, fuck it. We just started pounding beers. Let's just have fun, dude, whatever. I, we'll get to say we played in front of Brett Gerwitz one time in our life. Yeah. So we did it. And, uh, and, uh, what's that? Uh, podcast. Podcast. Yeah. High five. What's that? Me and my mates were going to make a podcast. I was going to say fun facts and she had a great laugh. And so I was just going to say fun facts and she had a great That's all you laugh. need. That's you great. That I like your style. Made that happen. So that was an interesting interruption. That's what happened to you. I love it. <laughs> yeah. We're at a bar live, people. So we played the set, kind of hammered, yeah. and just went crazy yeah. for 15 people. But we kind of went buck wild because we were all loose. Yep. And I'll never forget, we finished playing. I'm like, oh, that's it. So we're starting packing up our gear so the next band could come on. And he walks down the stairs, comes, pops up on the stage. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Brett. Of course you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, my God. I've, been, I've loved you my whole life. Yep. I've got the I, albums. I, I, yeah. Everyone. And yeah. I'd seen them a thousand times. And Bad Religion was my world, dude. I mean, when I can tell you, my whole world was Bad Religion, dude. Yeah. So that was the most surreal moment of my life. And... Uh, I shook his hand. He thought I was someone else. He was like, hey, you write that zine, right? And you're super into these authors. And he named some books off. And I was so thrown off. I was all, no. He wants not. to sign the wrong band. Yeah, I go, that's <laughs> not me. And he goes, no, Death by Stereo. But you do as he, he thought the guy in Death by Stereo did a zine or okay. something. And, and I was like, ah, it's not me. And then he was just like, well, that's cool. I really like your band. There you go. You know, yeah. and then he, so we're standing there, and he goes, "Well, looks at us all. So, do you guys want to make a record?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's all I've ever wanted to do." Yeah. And he goes, "All right, well, give me a call Monday. We'll figure it out." Not Just really. like that. And yep. so then he leaves. I'll never forget our old drummer Tim Bender looks at me and he goes, 
did I just get signed on the Sunset Strip in Hollywood where Motley Crue and all those bands got signed and we're all, yeah? yeah. Well, let's go celebrate. Yeah. We all went out. Woo! Tide yeah. went on and went crazy and, and we got on Epitaph Records like yeah. that. So then we recorded our first album and went all over the planet. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. I, I, I can't even describe the feeling and to come full circle and to listening to those records on my turntable as a depressed kid yeah. with no escape and I was like just wrapped in sadness and I had become this wild kid and going through all of my parents and all that stuff to meet the guy that made the soundtrack to me feeling better. Yeah. I, he has no but idea. But not even me. He has no not idea. Not even me, like, but work With him. so closely. He became my boss, basically. Yeah. You know, for I used a, to always say that to people. While. Yeah, for a long, for yeah. years. I, I, and it's funny. I, I would always say that. Oh, Breakwards. Yeah, it's my boss. My boss. He's the boss. He, he signs the checks. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and, but like, I was so proud to say that. And, uh, dude, he really kind of took us under his wing and taught us a lot. Yep. Taught us a lot. And Paul recorded that first record, produced it. The second record we did for Epitaph, Brett didn't put his name on the record, but he was there yeah. and producing it. Because what, was it West Beach? We actually did it at Sound City. Wow. Yes! <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's so good. Yeah, Sound City, dude. Why there? Uh, he suggested it. Okay. Yeah, we did the majority of the record there, primarily the drums, because the drum sounds yeah, there it's legendary. That, yeah. Yep. 
And uh, it's funny, the ceiling tiles, you know when you're in school you could throw a pencil at yeah, the ceiling? Yeah. There was a pencil that marked exactly where Dave Grohl's snare drum was on Nevermind. So we centered it. Yep. As you do. Yeah. That's what you're going to do. But, yeah. Oh, incredible. So he took us to Sound City to do the majority of the recording. We did other stuff at another studio, but yep. he really, that was Paul going to school on that record. Yeah. Really sat with Paul like, this is how you make the drums. Yeah. Because you could see the sound jump from the previous to that one. Yeah. Was, sonically, was incredible. It was monstrous. This yeah. is how you mic amplifiers. This is how you record guitars. And and I remember we told him, like, we just want you to produce this. And he goes, well, here's the deal, guys. If I produce it, my name goes on it, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. And I get I, points. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. get, yeah, I don't get produced records for free. Yeah. And we're like, oh. We, we only knew about friends and yeah, jamming, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so he... Uh, You've come a long way from the four track. Exactly. So, so he, he hung out every day. Yeah. And he uh, kind of basically produced the record, dude, yeah. with Paul. Like, I, all the guidance the whole way through. But at the same time, he had so much respect for your art and for artists because it was an artist label. Yeah. And he really let us do whatever we wanted, you know? And, uh, dude, one of the greatest experiences of my entire life. Yeah. Check the time really. Yeah, quick. that's cool. That's cool. It's ten o'clock. Oh shit! What time are you on? Fuck, I don't know. We'll pause this. That's okay. Yeah, can we continue? Yeah, a let's bit? do that. Everybody knows that the day is so awesome. How's that? So that's part one of a two-part, which has yet to be recorded, but um. Yeah, punk rock bowling a couple of weeks on, which is a fucking scary thought because me, myself, and the few friends I'm going with have been talking about it since like late November, early December. Um, so it's just kind of it's around the corner. If you're going, if you're going to it, let me know. Shoot me a message. Let's hang out. Let's have a lager or a sprite or just a water, whatever works for you. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, take it easy. Everybody knows that the leaking everybody knows the captain lied everybody got this broken feeling like their father or their dog just died everybody talking to their pockets everybody wants a box of chocolates and a long stem rose Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows that you've been faithful Give or take a night or two Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people just had to meet without your clothes and everybody knows everybody knows everybody knows that's how it
Everybody knows that it's now or never. Everybody knows that it's me or you. And everybody knows that you live forever. Oh, when you've done a line or two. Everybody knows the deal is rotten. Old Black Joe's still picking cotton for your ribbons and bows. And everybody knows And everybody knows that the plague is coming Everybody knows that it's moving fast Everybody knows that the naked man and woman Are just a shining artifact of the past Everybody knows the scene is dead But there's gonna be a meter on your bed That will disclose What everybody knows And everybody knows that you're in trouble Everybody knows what you've been through From the bloody cross on top of Calvary Everybody knows it's coming apart Take one last look at this sacred heart Before it blows And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Everybody.